American Hammers Radio with Tex and Liam from the Fresno Irons. Hello and welcome into another edition of the Bearded Bastards Radio here on American Hammers Radio. This is Tex, joined as always by the man, the myth, the legend, the one with the sweet sounds to put your wife into that nice little state so you can get where you want to go. Liam Bright. How are you this morning, Liam? I'm doing fantastic. I like to think of my voice as like the soundtrack to a coma. <laughs> soundtrack to a coma well we are fresh off um a pretty good performance from west ham united at least for half of a game against tottenham and to that as always the bearded bastards are poured a glass of whiskey we're shared it today we're drinking law's whiskey house their cognac four grain freshly distilled out of the beautiful state of colorado <laughs> And there's a gorgeous sound. Uh, we poured that right now. So me and uh, Liam are going to take our first sip of the night because, you know, a point against Tottenham is worth a sip of uh, Grandpa's cough syrup. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I like that one. Ooh, that is good. Not going to lie. That's, that's, a, that's a smooth one. So if, if you don't know, Laws... Whiskey House Cognac Four Grain. If you can pick it up, if you're in Colorado listening, shit, that's readily available for you. A little harder to find, California. I feel like this is the second Colorado whiskey we've had on I'm the a, show. I'm a little bit of a fan. I would, bit of a so. fan. I would say so. As, as a Texan, you seem to frequent the Colorado, Coloradian uh, it's, uh, nectars. It's distilled in that Rocky Mountain air. It's cold and crisp and beautiful. <laughs> the higher level elevation gives it, that, gives it that smoky flavor. 100%. Well, as we said, West Ham... Um, had a pretty good performance. I, I think they had to settle into the game early. Tottenham are devastating on the counterattack. They are probably the best team in the prem at the counterattack. And I think that's something we strive to try and be like. So obviously West Ham get off in the game, struggle to get a foothold on a couple of good moments. Um, then they got a little bit of a run there. Antonio hits the woodwork. Declan Rice, even before that, caught a sweet volley, just unfortunately right at Lloris. Um, And then sure as shit, wouldn't you know it, Tottenham get on a counterattack. <laughs> We're trying to get back. It's a well-worked. Kane puts in a gorgeous ball. Kara tries to get in the way and unfortunately knocks it into his own net. So Kara, who had a brilliant game, by the way, yeah. um, is victim of that own goal. Um, David Moyes does what David Moyes does in the second half, had his team ready to go, came out blazing in the second half. We're clearly the better team. Only a few moments that Tottenham were really in that. Um, and then one of the better worked goals I've ever seen after a debacle with Hoidberg and his cleat uh. and not leaving the field and just being a Tottenham player. Yeah. You know, let's just, that's just what it was. Um, you could see West Ham's frustration and Tony around the ball, four players around the ball saying, Hey ref, move him off the field. Then it was kind of like they got their piss hot. Here we go. Antonio makes one of the better passes I've ever seen. Suchek doesn't foddle it and strikes a sweet beauty on the oh. near post. And it was just too much for Larice to handle goes into the net. West Ham goes absolutely crazy. The stadium erupts. It's one, one. And from that point forward, West Ham were the better side in this game, constantly had opportunities. And late in the game, we saw our record signing Paqueta Ooh. came on. A ball was left sitting on the penalty spot and Paqueta and Emerson had a little bit of miscommunication. I think they both left it for one another. Nobody struck it. Very frustrating moment. But even more, 
Jared Bowen's starting to feel it. In about the 87th or 88th minute, he got his left foot around the ball and sent it straight across the face of goal. I think it was a shot, but it just, the angle was really sharp. And if Antonio's one yard closer, he just touches that in. Then I can't remember who was on the other side because I think I looked away like Antonio because he didn't get it. West Ham unable to get that final goal. And you said this in our pre-production meeting. As West Ham fans, we're used to the last 10 minutes trying to play defense. We were clearly on the offensive end, clearly putting the pressure on Tottenham. And I think this team is starting to feel it. And it is a point at home, but a point right now in, in the stage of our season is a good point, and especially against a side that's clearly probably going to finish in the top six. What were your thoughts on this game for West Ham United? I mean, I was I was pleasantly surprised, right? Because I thought we performed well against Villa on the weekend. Uh, you know, it was a cagey match. I, I think neither team really had a, a a way to get through. And then luckily for us, we, you know, we were the ones to be able to get a goal off of what was probably the biggest <laughs> fluke shot from Pablo Fernals. I absolutely adored it because it's such a West Ham goal, right? Like if we're going to score after being scoreless for the first three Premier League matches, obviously we decimated uh, Viborg in, in the, the playoffs for the for Europa Conference. but with that shot and of all people for now's right. I think it's the one that you and I pretty categorically in every text thread go fucking for now's like every <laughs> single time. And it's not because we hate him. Like we love him as a player. He is East London through and through. I He's mean, the player we hate to love. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's be honest. That's what he is. Yeah. Pretty, pretty much. And, and I think for him to get that goal, you saw not only what it meant to him, but what it meant to the entire team, the entire, you know, West Ham uh, uh, supporter um, supporting group. But to then to take that same energy and go in against Tottenham, you know, four days later, right? Like not not a a good gap between and then knowing that we had Spurs and then immediately going to have Chelsea right after. So essentially playing three games in the span of seven days, like that's a lot to ask for any team especially going into the Spurs match with no Skamaka because he was sick all week. So obviously him not even making the bench for this match gave us a little bit of pause for concern, except for the fact, and somebody in the text thread brought this up, Antonio loves to score against Spurs. And he had a hell of a shot that ricocheted off the post. I mean, that's Mighty Ducks level fucking post breakage shot. Can, can we talk to the competition committee? And if you hit the post, you get half a goal. Because <laughs> I swear this year we would have beaten Nottingham Forest Easily. one and a half to one. Yeah. Because we hit the post three fucking times. And then today we would have won the game one and a half to I I look, I I'm just being selfish. Continue. <laughs> but, but it's it's. It's part of that theory of luck, right? Where sometimes the ball bounces your way and sometimes it doesn't. I think with the Villa match, that was the turn for us when it came to the luck. Where the ball, normally that ball bounces off a defender, goes over the uh, goes over the, the, the goal, or it bounces right into the keeper's arms, right? Nothing, and we don't even get a corner or something out of it. But against Villa, that to me was a bit of a turning point. For this match, I was surprised because after the ball goes in the back of the net... I was pissed. I was like, oh, fuck. But I wasn't even mad at Kirak because I was like, he did the best he could with the situation. And there was part of me that was kind of of the mind that I was glad it was an own goal and not Son or Kane that scored. Like it was it was kind of like, yeah, they scored a goal, but we took it away from their player 
to get that goal. So I kind of like that. I kind of like that. That's the true West Ham spirit. Yeah, right there. like just kind of, it was kind of that like fuck you moment, and I I really enjoyed that. But I also think it lit a fire underneath everybody on the pitch, and we started to see ourselves grow into the game. After halftime, they came out and with within ten minutes. That's the goal. That's at the fifty fifth minute. Then Antonio kind of scoop passes it to a barreling Suchek, which. I was really interested that people have been kind of digging him out because he's, he struggled last season. Let's be honest. Let's call call a spade a spade this season. I think he, he was touch and go, right? He had the goal against in the second uh, game against Viborg. And I think that was a help. That was a confidence boost for him for this man. This was like Dawson style, just tearing through the lines, just trying to get on that ball. And he like collects it easily off the like thigh gets it just in front of him. And as you said, just volleys that ball past Larice. It was a thing of beauty. And yet again, the whole team just gathers like everybody pump, like fists pumping in the air and you can really feel the chemistry growing. And I mean, I was surprised Ben Rama got pulled off. I actually thought Bowen was going to get hooked, but I think Ben Rama plays more of that number 10 role, number eight role. Uh, and once you put Paquetta on and he was pissed like for a dude that pictures have surfaced of him in a Spurs Jersey when he was younger, he looked like he just wanted to execute everybody that was on that fucking field. He was kicking legs out. He was putting people on their ass. Like the dude had no problem battling. And from what Moyes had said in like the pre-match uh, uh, conference, he basically was saying like he hadn't practiced with the team. So this was his practice with the team. Like this was, this is what he can do with no game, like no, time with the with the rest of the group imagine what he looks like in a couple weeks this is going to be a fucking madhouse so i think for me yeah i i believe firmly believe we deserve the win after that performance i'm happy to walk away with a point because it's still a step in the right direction uh but god help the rest of the premier league man because we're about to fuck them up i i look at the situation um and and first off Credit to Moyes for giving Paquetta some burn in this game. Um, totally credit to him for that. Because really, in all honesty, that is a situation that I didn't think we would see. I didn't even think we would see him um, on the pitch, just being 100% honest. I don't agree with bringing off Benarama, and I will tell you why. Benarama, to me, has been our best attacking player this year. I would have taken off for nows. But I've started to notice something. For think for David Moyes, the reason Fournals never gets pulled, the reason he never gets pulled is because Fournals is the one player on the pitch who will run his socks off. I would love to see the stats, and I'll hook this up for next show, how much ground he covers. Because I swear that guy never goes. When he got taken off, did you see him sprint yeah. off when Fournals finally did get taken off? Like that, the, even the commentator said, that suggests that West Ham's going for the win. And for nows, you know, he is a guy, we we know how this team feels about him. They love him. Yeah. Um, but he is just he's one of those guys that I swear every pass finds the foot of the defender. <laughs> and it's just it's infuriating. But I love that Moyes kind of his critics, he called him out a little bit. He's like, Yeah, Paquetta's ready. And maybe that's a statement on the type of player we just signed. Because maybe some of these other players we've signed, and the reason they don't get run early is because Moyes goes, they're not ready. Paqueta is. Yeah. That's a guy that doesn't need training. He is Brazil's number 10. 
And so I really um, like what I saw to Paqueta. Um, that Emerson moment between him where that ball was left on the penalty spot, begging for somebody to finish it. That was frustrating, but that's a moment right there. And I think that's where Moyes can point to that moment and go, that's why I don't play players early. Yeah. Because yeah. that's that moment because you always know who's the guy that you want to take ball. We all know we want Declan to get the ball before the midway line, him to bring it across and to start the attack. We know that. Okay. We know we want Suchek in the box. He's always going to be a guy attacking a header. We know that we need Zuma back deep because he's not a runner. So everybody knows their role, knows where they're supposed to be. And I think that's what happens with Emerson and Paqueta. You know, Emerson's an attacker. He's a winger. He's an attacker. He can play left back, but he's better going forward. And so he goes forward in that moment. Paqueta is clearly an attacker. Yeah. And he's going forward and it's just a miscommunication moment. And I think Spurs have to be sitting there and Conte has to be looking at it going, West Ham are going to be a problem next time we see him. Yep. And that's my most exciting thing is that this is a draw that feels like a win. And I know that sounds weird, but we saw what Moyes is trying to do when he went to the back three. Did you see the difference when he has the guys that he needs to run the back three? Cause before that, everybody was talking about, well, we changed the back four against Villa. We and played it was better. better. Yeah. Well, yeah. here's the, you know, this is what people don't realize when you have everybody available, a, a Gerd being out is huge right now. And I think Moyes won't admit it, but he probably, you know, he probably punched a donkey when a Gerd got hurt <laughs> because that guy, that's the back three. It's him, Zuma and Augie. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've said it, we called it out on prior shows. Cresswell's days as a starter for West Ham are numbered. Yeah. That's just the reality. So when these guys get in there and he's got the dudes that he wants, he talked about reinventing the team, building this team to challenge the top four. This is what we expected to see. Yeah. No, I, I think you're hundred percent right. And it's, it's an interesting concept, right? Because when you look at the changes that we've made, the players that we've brought in, this, this is, this is what we've needed right? Where you have top level players that are game changers that when you bring someone like Paqueta off the bench, you know, he can make a difference on the pitch and we're not, you know, I, I think it's funny last season. Was it last season or two seasons ago when Lanzini had the screamer against Spurs? Was that two seasons ago? I believe it was two seasons, two seasons ago. ago. God, time flies. Yeah. But when you think about that, I remember those, those Tottenham brothers or whatever that are like the <laughs> super fucking mega cunts. The rest of the league are fearing us. They're fearing <laughs> us. Oh, they're fearing. But yeah, like he's like, oh, we bring on Gareth Bale and they bring on Lanzini. And I'm like, and Gareth Bale did fuck all. And Lanzini scores a screamer of an equalizer. So it's funny because you have other, other teams that look at us as like, we're not threatening, right? We, once you get past our starting 11, we had no depth in, in, in the bench. We have serious fucking depth in the bench. Now, the fact that he could bring on Emerson, that he could bring on Paqueta, like bring on Ogbana, like this dude, this is a fucking depth charge of a bench bench right now. And we get five subs now. Fuck me. Like I, I going into the season was like, well, that only favors the top clubs. And I'm like, no, it favors the clubs that have invested in squad depth. And now that we have, we can game change, which to your point is exactly what we did. We can play a back four or play a back five and it's dynamically different between the two. And it's so much harder for another team to prepare for somebody like us, because you don't always know what you're going to get with all of these new signings coming in, because each one of them brings a different dynamic, a different, um, 
flair, let's say, to the pitch. And I am I'm all here for it, man. Like we were saying West Ham are massive everywhere we go last season. And it was kind of tongue in cheek this season, man. There's a lot of validity to the, to that, to that chant. And you're right. We are massive and we have invested in the squad and tomorrow is deadline day. Holy fuck. <laughs> yeah. In fact, the deadline day is probably all he started in England. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're eight hours behind. So uh, obviously bringing up the transfers, West Ham's most recent transfer, Lucas Paqueta makes an appearance club record sighting. Um, David Moyes is asked in his post-match presser. Will we see any activity in the transfer market from West Ham United after all these signings? And he said something um, kind of interesting. It was a little coy about it. He said, I'm not going to tell you there's not going to be an activity and I'm not going to tell you that they're, you know, I'm not going to tell you we're have signings coming in, but you know, we may do something we may not. So looking at that, we're going to go to our transfer expert here, which Ooh. is the one and only Liam bright. Um, Liam, what does the transfer market look like on deadline day for West Ham United? So it's going to be interesting, right? Because we've already seen some moves with Manny Longello going on loan to Birmingham City. That was announced earlier today. Um, it looks like Harrison Ashby uh, is looking to possibly go out on loan as well. I'm not as big a fan of this because I think Ashby has shown really good flashes in the appearances that he's made. And this isn't a dig against Sioux Fall because I think he's finding his form that he had two seasons ago versus the kind of drop that he had a little bit in last season, especially when he started losing his position to, to Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson obviously being injured or at least an injury risk means that I would prefer to have somebody that gives us a little bit more depth in that right back position, uh, especially because Sioux Fall has shown he can also play left back in a pinch. So I like that. I like having a little bit more to pull, but with Harrison Ashby's age, I understand that he's going to want starting minutes. So if you are going to put him out on loan, I would say put him out on loan for only the six months. And then if you need him, you can recall him. Or if you need to extend it for the rest of the season, you can extend it. But I feel like this is a player we really shouldn't let go of. Um, not to the degree of like Sonny Perkins, where I don't think he's trying to force a move because he feels like he should be a starter. This is more of a, hey, I just want consistent minutes. And I get it. At that age, like you want to grow and scale in the game. And I think his head's in the right place. I think ultimately he does still want to play for West Ham, but he needs to see the minutes. Um some of the other movement that we may see when it comes to outgoing players, uh, Craig Dawson. Oh, uh, man. And this, Why, you had to ruin the show vibe by bringing uh, that up. Damn I know, it. but it's because I'd rather bring out the bad news first and then try to cheer you guys up after the fact. Uh, Craig Dawson, and this was not something that I knew, has been commuting into London for, for West Ham. Apparently, he still lives up towards Manchester, like Midlands area, or all the way up into Manchester as well. Uh, and would like to be closer to family. I get it. He's getting on in his years. I mean, he's early thirties, but he is definitely in the twilight years of his career. Uh, I would hate to see him go. Cause I think that he is absolutely a stalwart defender for us, but I understand he is kind of like fifth choice at this point. And although we do have injuries, which have necessitated us to maybe rush certain players into the starting 11 earlier than Moyes typically would like to, I feel like Dawson is that, that brick that just keeps the wall together at that back line. So I let's, let's talk about Dawson for a minute because I think he's, he's earned, he's earned the respect of every West Ham United supporter. Yeah. Um, Craig Dawson, when he was signed, I will go out on record and say, did not care for the signing. <laughs> thought it was a lack of ambition from the club. Felt like a panic buy. Felt like uh, we were desperate for center back cover because Tarkovsky would not come to us. Yep. So we had to get somebody. 
we couldn't have asked for, I mean, when you look at the players that West Ham have bought at the price points, we got them at for the return in value. Craig Dawson's up there with some of the best that we've ever purchased. Yep. Um, so Craig Dawson earned every West Ham United supporters respect because he will run through a wall for the badge on the shirt. He's as likely to score a goal as he is to get a red card. (laughs) So um, you got to love a player with that kind of reckless abandon. And I think you have to be a little crazy to play central defender. I just think you do. The problem now, and this is why I said, don't ruin the show vibe about him is Craig Dawson is now, an intricate part of the fabric of what West Ham United are now. He is part of the definition, if you will. Um, He embodies what David Moyes wants out of anybody that wears the badge. So I don't want to see him go. Yeah. I know he's fifth choice. I want him in the locker room. I kind of feel like he has the effect Mark Noble does. And so Dawes is a guy. I mean, we call him Dawes now. I mean, we're on, we're on that kind of level. We're close. We're pretty close. You know, I just, it's it's such a sad story to hear. But with that said, I will never fault a guy for wanting to be closer to his family. Yeah. Like, it, it, you're not leaving out of malice. You're not leaving because you're mad. You're literally leaving because you love your wife, you love your kids, and you want to be closer. And I can't fault a guy for that. And in the post-match presser, I'm going to quote David Moyes. He was asked, do you want to see Craig Dawson go? And he kind of hesitated. He looked, he goes, absolutely not. <laughs> like there was no, there was no guessing on that. So yeah. before you continue on your transfers, what, what are your thoughts on this Dawson situation? I mean, I understand it. I'm, I'm a family man myself. So uh, I've, I've worked the last several years trying to get, uh, get it so that I can work full time from home so I can be closer to the family so I can spend more time with them. Um, so I, I completely understand that. I just, I feel like for, for Dawson though, if this is kind of your last hurrah, like wouldn't you want to do it with a club that is playing in Europe, that you get to play to s- almost 65,000 fans every every home match? Like this is a team that's on the rise. This is a team that you've built kinship and friendship with. Wouldn't you want to see that out? Like to me, Dawes has like a Ginger Collins feel, right? Where you just, you never wanted to see him play for another club after West Ham. Like, West Ham, absolutely. That's that's got to be your last kit that you wear, and you you hang it up, Mark Noble style, and you're done. Like it can't be you go play for somebody else. I don't want to see you go play for Villa or fucking uh, Newcastle or something, right? Like I, you need to be in the claret and blue through and through until you until you're done. But like like you were saying, man, it's hard to fault a guy for wanting to be close to his family, and you know if you if you when you're in a club. You see one center back gets sold, but you just keep seeing other center backs being brought in. You have to know that it's not that you're not valued. It's just you're not the player that's going to take this club further. And I feel for Dawes, I think similar to how you and I felt when Robert Snodgrass got sold. That was another player that was like, no, nah, man, I want to see him finish out in, in Claret and Blue. I don't want to see him go to fucking West Brom of all places. Then even after that, he went someplace else. I think he went to like Coventry or something like that. I didn't want to see him go, but you also recognize a player that is kind of on the downturn. And if you want the club to continue progressing, you can't hold on to those players that are the 30 somethings that are, that are not improving your squad. Sorry, but Cristiano Ronaldo at Manchester United, right? 36, 37 year old player doing fuck all for the club. 
there's got to be a point in time where nostalgia or your your brain has to outweigh your heart. I've yeah, I mean, maybe beautifully said. Uh, you know, we just put him in the conversation of Mark Noble and Ginger Collins. So I mean, that's um, that's elite company to be in, and that's uh, those are those are shirts that will always be sold in the West Ham United store. And those are shirts you'll always see in the stadium, you know, Collins on the back, noble 16 on the back. That's just the way that's going to be. So with that said, that's obviously the outs. What are the possible ends for West Ham United on deadline day? So this is interesting. There's been a couple rumors. Uh, Jan Benarik is one that is, that is a potential loan. So this wouldn't be, uh, uh, purchase, but it would be kind of that last minute loan deal. And the expectation would be bring him in because you see Dawes going out, right? So this is kind of that replacement for Dawes gives us more center back cover, especially if it does, if Moyes is going to make the back three, sort of the, the mainstay for us, like I could see that being uh, pretty important. Um, another one as a potential loan is Aaron Juan Basaka. Um, so that's, that's one that I, th- I, I'm of two minds of it. I think he's a good player. I don't know if attitude wise, if he'll quite fit in uh, with this particular group, but we have so many new names coming in right now that I do feel like there's going to be a getting to know you period. There's going to be a gelling period. That's going to have to occur. Uh, So I'm not opposed to it, especially if you see like Harrison Ashby go out. I think you're going to need more depth uh, um, on that right-hand side. The other one that this was interesting to me, Ross Barkley on a free. So his contract's up. Uh, Ross obviously, uh, had worked previously with Moyes over at Everton. Uh, Moyes is a fan of his. He has been asked in pre, uh, pre-match, uh, pressers about the possibility of Ross Barkley. He's had positive things to say about him. Uh, I think one of the issues with Ross is that he was on decently high wages. Uh, so there is the potential that he's going to look for uh, a payday trying to come to West Ham, especially after seeing us splash the amount of cash that we have. Wow, secondary refills, man. You, third. Dude, we it's my third dose, but there's a second refill. You'd think we had lost. <laughs> we, we, we had a win and a draw. We're actually on the upturn right now. Um, I'm not opposed to Ross Barkley. You know what I mean? But I do feel like that, that screams of panic by. Because I feel like we have enough. Once a Garrett comes back, we're, we're going to have more depth in the center backs than, than what I think we have. I think it's more of a concern of if there's injuries, which let's be honest, again, being injured right now, it's possible he could re-injure himself. Ogbonna in being injured the last two seasons, it's a possibility he could get re-injured himself as well. Zuma looked like he was carrying a knock those first couple games. So, I mean, there's always a possibility. So I, I don't err on this on, I don't air him on the side of caution. I would prefer us to have brought in, another attacking player. Cause I feel like we do need at least one more striker slash attacking midfielder. I, the, my, my sentiment on the possible ends of what you brought up. Uh, and this is me reading the tea leaves after watching the post-match presser from Moyes. If uh, they're not going to let Dawes go until they bring somebody else in. And I think Dawes is aware of that. And I think the club is trying to do right by Dawson and they're actively seeking a loan because I don't think, they really want to spend uh, any elite money and they're just looking for somebody for cover. 
but he's only got a year left. So if you put him out on loan, you're just you're wasting out the final year oh, of his contract I, I, anyway. I, I should have been clear. What I what I meant to say was they're only looking to bring in a loanee. Oh, gotcha. Rather okay, than, okay. Rather than letting Dawson go out on a loan because I think Dawson wants a permanent move. Yeah. So really for me, Juan Basaka to me fits the bill because he's an athletic center back, which if you're going to play a back three system, you're going to have to have a more athletic player back there. because He's going to have to cover more ground. So I, I like the Juan Basaka move because I don't think we have to count on him to start, but he can obviously feature in EFL cup, FA cup, Europa league conference and things like that. He'll never to be, to me, be a first choice center back for West Ham United with what we have right now. Yeah. He's just a guy for cover in depth. And you know, he's, he's an, an odd man out at Manchester United. So I, I like that move when it comes to Ross Barkley. It almost feels surplus to requirement. Yeah. It almost feels you'd be bringing him in to do him a favor, not us. Um, so I, I don't, I don't understand that. I don't see where his role would be on the team. Um, he's a talented player, but he hasn't been talented since he left Everton. And if you remember when he left Everton, he bitched and complained until he got his move. And then he got his move to Chelsea and never kicked on. Yeah. That's so right. I kind of question, was he as good as we thought? Was he in the right system to highlight what he does well at Everton? And that system, yes, it probably exists at West Ham United, but who's he going to play over? Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I, I I'm, mean, I mean, no, he's not, not getting him. on the field. He's an attacking midfielder. Yeah. And if you look at the attacking midfielders we have, I like Ben Rama more. I, uh, clearly, Lucas Paqueta is going to be above that. Um, for now's runs his socks off. You have Bowen um, that can play in those roles. Lanzini's a guy that's sitting on the bench right now, seems to be the odd man out, and we know what he can bring to the table when he comes in. He steadied the ship last year when he got a run of games. Yeah. Like, he got a run of game, and we were talking on the show, it was going to be really hard to take him off because how well he was playing. You know, so where does he fit? You know, I I think West Ham, I think we're going to see a move tomorrow. I don't think it's going to be anything exciting. Um, but I think we're going to see a move. We're going to bring in a player that's going to be center back cover. And I think we're done unless something crazy happens and we get offered some type of striker. I don't think we need one. I, I have to respectfully disagree. I think Skamaka is going to end up being the guy. I think at some point it's going to be hard to keep Antonio off the field for as long as for the spells, you know, given Antonio 30 minutes, I understand, but Antonio to me is a, a very good winger. Yeah. And yeah. I, I would love to see him out there and maybe you play a two striker set because now you're going to go three at the back. So maybe you can get two guys up there, you know? So I, I don't know what's exactly going to happen tomorrow, but I do expect, and it, this is, I'm very sad to say this, but I, I do expect us to bring in a center back cover. I like Juan Basaka, but it could be anybody. I don't yeah. think we're sold on anyone. And then I think we'll see the announcement that Craig Dawson has been sold to, Somebody in the Midlands, you know, I know there's a couple teams in on him right now. Aston Villa wolves and wolves. I don't see Villa doesn't seem like that's going to happen. I don't think but so. Wolves seems way more likely. I think the player would prefer move 
to Wolves, which is closer to where he's at. But isn't Mings injured right now for Villa? Because he didn't feature against which us. Which is 100% why Dawson why with, Dawson's on the radar. Yeah. But I, I th- this whole situation with Dawson feels like the club is doing right by the player. For sure. So if the player doesn't want to go to Villa. They're going to send yeah, him. Yeah, which, it, let's be honest. If Dawson goes to Villa, then he just wanted out. Okay, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know, just to go to Villa. Well, maybe he just still wants to wear claret and blue. Well, that's true. And we know he <laughs> plays well in those colors. That's true. Um, but I, I expect him to move to a club that's more in the the Midlands area. Like, don't be shocked if Manchester United strike a deal for a swap for Juan Basaka for Craig Dawson. Like, I, be interesting. I mean, I, they, I've heard it being rumored. And the reason why is because West Ham want to do right by the player. Yeah. And yeah. so they, from what I've read, West Ham have sought out clubs in the Midlands area to let him know, but obviously Dawson's a premier league player. So that limits the amount of teams that you can talk to. Right. Of course. Cause you know, seven out of the 20 clubs are right in London. So you're not doing him any favors by selling them to Fulham or yeah. Brentford, you know, like you have to sell them someplace North and really nobody wants to go to Newcastle. Like there's no players that, that like well, honestly are looking out, to go, go there if you'll pay them the money. Well, yeah. But you, but they're still going to live somewhere else and just travel into Newcastle. They're not going to live in Newcastle. So, it, and I, I think, you know, I think you're right. I think th- those are valid points. I, and I do like the concept of like a three, five, two, you know what I mean? Like there's just something really attractive about that where it's just like pack out the midfield, have your two strikers up top, especially if that middle three or sorry, that middle mm-hmm. five going from left to right is Emerson, Declan, Paqueta, Suchek, Bowen, Right. Like if that's your mid five, that's fucking monstrous right there. And that's not including your back three, which could be Ogbana, Zuma and uh, and uh, Kara. Or if you want to do um, like I think you were saying before, when a Gerd comes back and then you've got a Gerd. Uh, sorry, it would be. Um, yeah, a Gerd, Ogbana and Zuma as your back three. Either way, I'm super comfortable with that. And then, yeah, throw Skamaka and Antonio up top. Both of them have good hold-up play. Skamaka probably makes the better runs, but Antonio's maybe a little bit better at muscling people off the ball, running towards the box. Well, pick Sk- your poison at that point. Yeah, Skamaka's better in the box when it comes to, like, muscling players off of him, as we saw in the the second match against uh, V-Board. So... It's uh, you know, it, 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 these are nice conversations to have about West Ham United, right? Ones now. we've never had in, in the past. So th- this kind of this kind of begs the question, right? When you look at all of this, before you go any further, I think this is warranted. Okay, glasses up to Craig ooh, Craig ooh, Dawson. I like it. We appreciate everything you've done, Craig. Thank you, Slancha. Okay, back oh. to your point as I so rudely interrupted you. No, you're good, you. you're good. Oh, it's a good burn. I actually really like that one. I know. I, yeah, finally, it's an interesting. I brought one you enjoy. Yeah. No, last week's wasn't bad. It just, the harshness of it kind of overrode any of the flavor. It's like getting choked in sex. Yeah. It kind of yeah. did, but it's interesting. The Knob Creek that we had a couple weeks ago that I have is actually a higher proof than that one. But I'd say that this one was harsher than the Knob Creek. Well, it's, you know, it's made a little more there. That was made by a drunk man. <laughs> you know, Knob Creek is made by scientists. Yeah, Maker, so. Maker's Mark is definitely, it's a drunk person. Um, no, I think one of the, the it, it begs the the big discussion right at this point. We've, I've been pretty vocal when it comes to being GSB out, right? Like that's, that's been one of the rallying cries. Um, not just because of the sale of Upton Park, because, you know, and it's not so much the sale of it. 
it was the way it was mismanaged when they went to do the move from everything from from the bowling ground uh, going to the London Stadium. I think the the plan, the 10 point plan that they had laid out, they basically showed no ambition. They showed no intent to actually deliver on anything that they that they spoke of. But I, I it's not so much that I'm eating crow, but it does it does kind of beg the question that we've seen so much more from the board on on this on this transfer window more so than we've ever seen ever in was it been 10 years right 2010 12 years now that they've been in charge of the club it it kind of begs the question are they are they doing enough now to retain top quality players like Declan Rice or is this a last hurrah before they sell our top players because they know next season they can sell the club and they're not going to have to pay any monies back to the the taxpayers of London. There's uh, I mean, I think you have to acknowledge that conspiracy theory. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm going to call it conspiracy theory because David Gold to me um, loves the club, you know, um, of the two dildo brothers. He's the one that I feel personally um, cares more about the club, and he's even mentioned on documentaries. I, it's gold, right? Gold's the one. Yeah, gold. Gold's yeah. the one that he talks about growing up, like yeah. down the street from the bowling. I got scared. I was wrong for me. Yeah, but. no, 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 no. It could be worse. It could have been me confusing Juan Basaka's position with Ross Barkley's position, but you know, things <laughs> fucking happen. So, but yeah, it's. I I see the point, and when you think about it, gold gold is more emotionally invested than Sullivan. Sullivan's a Welsh sack of shit, but if there's one of them that is more likely to hold on to the club, it's not gold Sullivan. That's going to keep his misery little fingers Russian hat wearing fucktard. He's going to be the one that holds on to the club and it's going to be gold. If anybody is going to sell out, because if you look at him, he doesn't look like he's in good health and he hasn't for the last couple, the last two seasons. Um, so in my, my estimation, I could see him kind of selling, selling his shares out and then Sullivan will, if, if gold sells his shares to Kratinsky, Kratinsky is going to be majority shareholder. Sullivan will be minority shareholder, which means Kratinsky gets final say, but Sullivan's still going to try to be fucking football manager wheeling and dealing. Uh, I, 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 I got to disagree. And I got to say, I think Sullivan's the more likely one to get out. He just married a woman 40 years, his, his junior. <laughs> he really did. Yeah. Uh, I, he's uh, going to sit there and he's going to want to spoil the shit out of her. So he's going to need all the money that he needs. Cause let's be honest, she ain't with him cause he looks good. But you also have to take in consideration is part of the attraction and prestige. The fact that he's a football club owner. Cause if he's not that he's just a dude that made his money dude, selling just, sex toys, just buy her a product. But well, maybe that's why she likes him because if he can't satisfy her, he's something. got toys that can, yeah, some, something, something, uh, the job. I think you bring up a very interesting argument here. You know, the conspiracy theory you're referring to, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that is is West Ham United being invested in by the board this much to up the value of the club as much as possible so that they can sell off the two biggest assets the club have, which are Declan Rice and Jared Bowen, um, in order to balance the checkbooks so that when they get out, it's all profit. And that that's a real legit conspiracy theory. I don't buy it. And the reason I don't buy it is because I think this club, I don't think David Moyes would be there if that, if he had wind of any of that. Yeah. I just don't. Um, I think David Moyes 
came in with a project in mind, which is why when he took the job for the second time after we let him go for Pellegrini and he come back, he looked at him and said, I want some guarantees. Yeah. And we don't know what those guarantees are, but whatever those guarantees are, it's very clear. He stayed quiet for two transfer windows in a row to spend 200 million in this one. Yeah. Um, and it's very clear that the players that he brought in have been targets for a while. And when those first targets didn't pan out, they were ready to go after other ones. So this has been a well thought out, well planned out this is the best transfer window in West Ham United history. Oh yeah. Without so, a doubt. And, it, and it's by a mile. Now, obviously it's like judging the NFL draft in America. It sounds really good on paper. If, if some of these players don't work out, we may look back and regret. We thought the the hundred million we spent under Pellegrini bringing in the players that we did uh, was going to be a great, an absolutely phenomenal window. It turns out that none of those players really kicked on. Yeah. You know, and Diop was the last one to let go. And, you know, he was the last Pellegrini hangover. Since Moyes has been here, almost every player he's brought in has worked out. Yeah. You know? I, I mean, what, Alex Crawl might be like the exception to the yeah, rule? Yeah, I mean, yeah. But, I mean, you know, Crawl never really got a real shot. But, you know, the reality would be Crawl wasn't good enough for the Prem. No. He's he going to dominate the Russian League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he wasn't good enough for the Prem. And so... I love what West Ham United have done. If that conspiracy theory is true, it will rock me to my core about the club. Yeah. You know, I'm not an East end boy. I was not born there. This is not in my veins. I've chosen this club and I will admit that. So I will not feel the obligation um, that I know a true East ender will, but I will definitely be hurt if that happens. Right. Um, I've already committed myself to understanding that I do believe Declan Rice will not be wearing claret and blue um, in the next three years. And the reason I say three years is because we control his future right now. Right. He's tied to us and we can clearly hang on to him no matter what any offer comes in. All we got to do is reject it. But do you want to keep an unhappy player? No, of course not. You know, so what what are your thoughts on it? Because I, I just, it's hard for me to think, I don't think David Moyes would be our manager if that conspiracy theory is true. Well, for sure. And it, I, I think his contract that he just, that he had signed going into this season uh, or no last season, right? Well, he signed the contract in, um, I think it was like a three year deal. So like if you're committing to three years, it's because you have certain expectations that are going to be delivered on within those years. I think my concern stems from the fact that they hadn't delivered on, on, their promises prior to that fact. So thinking that all of a sudden they were going to start to deliver, deliver on this, I was skeptical at best, but seeing this transfer window specifically showed me that, yeah, absolutely. The rumors that we heard in January, that it was anything that Moyes didn't spend in January, he was going to have available to him for the summer. And initially we were hearing figures around 150 million. So spending $179.3 million, that's, that's even above and beyond what we were initially expecting. I think Kratinsky has a lot to do with that. I think his influx of money has definitely given the board uh, maybe less reason to be stingy with the purse strings. And when you look at the moves we've made in this window, right? Skamaka, starting number nine for the Italian national team. Paqueta, starting number 10 for the Brazilian national team. Declan Rice, starting defensive midfielder for the English national team. And uh, not just a Gerd, who's a starting center back for the Moroccan national team, but then also Kara, who is a starting center back for the German national team. This is an incredibly uh, 
exciting spine to have in the team. And we've talked about this previously where we haven't really ever had that. You've had great players like Payette, like DeCanio, you know, years and years ago, and you've had flashes of good players since then, but you haven't had this structure ever, at least in the last 20 some odd years that I've been supporting the club. I mean, for you, at least the last 10, if not a dozen years, right? About a dozen years. It was 2010, I think, when you started coming in. First year reform, they were relegated. It was the year they got promotion from Blackpool. Nice. All right. Perfect. So when you, when you look at that, the movement just within those, those last decade, two decades, this is almost an anomaly to what we've seen before. And to have this type of caliber of player, I don't think this is so much a, we're bringing in these players because we know we're going to make that money back when we sell Declan and Bowen in January or next summer. I think this is a, we're going to show Declan and Bowen that we're investing in this club. So they're going to want to stay here to push on for trophies and European placement in Champions League. Not Europa Conference, not Europa League, but Champions League. And I mean, like I said earlier in the show, give us a couple of weeks, let these players integrate. This is going to be, we're going to be a very dangerous team. There's still going to be the West Ham moments because we are West Ham and there'll still be some <laughs> fucking stupid red cards, some fouls, some balls that don't bounce our way. But I think by and large, we're not going to see us banana peel as often as we have in the past. I think the losses that we have will be hard fought losses. Like what we had last season when we did lose, it was by one goal and it was just a moment of brilliance from the other team. I, I hope, I mean, uh, you know, I don't think we can go anywhere until we solve the Brighton mystery. We have to solve that oh, fucking fuck mystery. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that I, I I'll say this and I've said it. You can go on record. You can listen to our old shows. If we want to keep Declan Rice, we have to make the Champions League. Yeah. And that's just a fact. And I will admit right now, I don't think the squad is good enough right now to do it. And this is the season I thought we had to do it. And when you open up the season with the three losses that we have, City, you write off. They're going to win the league. Fucking Holland has back-to-back hat tricks right now. Fuck. So, look, that's, that's in what, that is what it is. Then you flip it over and you lose that game to Forrest and that one really hurt. Then you get browbeat by Brighton, a team that there's not a player in their side that I want on my team. And nope. we got beat two nail and kind of ran off the pitch and it was frustrating. So West Ham United have to understand right now, you've got to get those points back somehow. Well, you took a half step forward today by getting a point against Tottenham. They're going to finish in the top four. I think Tottenham have that good of a side. I think with Conte as their manager, they will be there. They are beatable, and I'm not saying they're not, but that to me, they are a top four side. I could see them finishing all the way up to second, all the way back to fourth. I could see them being anywhere in there because I think they're one of the four best teams in the league. They're probably more likely third or fourth. Yeah. Um, but West Ham United can beat anybody on any given day with maybe the exception of City right now. Like that's just my, my, my God for honest opinion and city have already shown that they are beatable. So maybe they're not as invincible as we thought, but I hope that everybody understands making the champions league guarantees another season with Declan rice. Continuing that expectation is how you keep Declan rice. And that's a big ask. And that's why I'm not sold. He will be, and Claret and Blue his whole career. Now, he may decide that's where he wants to be. Yeah. You know, he may. You know, there's been plenty of players that, you know, I, I remember when Mark Noble 
was playing for uh, West Ham United and the sides get relegated, you'd hear clubs coming in for Mark Noble. Now they weren't Liverpool and stuff, but it was Premier League staying teams that valued him and he made a decision today. It's going to ultimately be up to that player. If that player decides he wants to continue wearing the Claret and Blue, then I think he stays. But it, it, it's it's scary to think about, Liam. It is. Because this club... Is, is even though GSB delivered, they're starting to deliver on the promises they made three years too late. <laughs> they are starting to deliver. They are starting to come good. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. That's all I can say. It's going to be interesting. Well, and it's, it, it, it's an, it's exciting because you can kind of see the project that Moyes is trying has been trying to get done materialize. I do feel like we're maybe a season too late, but I think if you rewind it back a season, we don't bring in the players that we brought in now. So I'm almost thankful that Moyes was patient and didn't try to panic by a bunch of people that weren't going to work out. And I also like the fact that he didn't hold on to players that he knew were not the guys that were going to get the job done. I liked Vlasic. I thought there were flashes of really good, play in there, but I was not sad when he went on alone to, to Italy. Same thing with Masuaku. There's been moments where Masuaku is, is good, but not great. So putting him out on loan, same thing. I, pardon me. I think that's doing right by the player to give them the minutes that they want and also freeing up space that we desperately need for players that we know can make an impact. And I know earlier in the transfer window, everybody was like, Oh, how can you put these guys on loan? We're already a thin squad. You're just making us thinner. And I was like, we just got to wait, see who Moyes brings in transfer windows. Not over yet. I was one of those people last season and I was losing my shit because we were waiting so late in the game to make changes. And this time it's just been very pointed, very targeted, very strategic. So I'm at the point if we sign somebody tomorrow, awesome. If we don't, that's okay too. So just just to ask you one final question, this has creeped up in my mind because if you've listened to the show, you are the mind. You are the smart one. You are, <laughs> for lack of a better term, you are mega mind. Um, Thank you. Whereas and I am, you know, I'm more of the Stephen Colbert, think with your gut. You know what I mean? You ask your gut questions and you just go with it, even if it's wrong. So I'm going to ask you this question, Megamind. Let me let me let me hear Liam's take on what I'm about to ask you. Is this have the potential to be the best West Ham team we've ever seen? Like in your my lifetime type thing? No, ever. Ever like in I'm the history of West Ham. All the way back to the Bobby Morris or Trevor Brooking, <sighs> I'm bringing that into the conversation. So I'm asking you right now. With what David Moyes is building, with that spine that we've never seen, the the, it's not like we don't have to say talent. It's the solid play from the guys that you're going to get that are world class. They're world class players. Yeah, which was something we were promised a world class stadium with world class players. players. <laughs> so with that, does this team that's currently constructed right now with no more additions? Even if Dawson leaves, is this possibly the best West Ham United team we'll ever see? I'm going to say no with an asterisk. I'm going to say no because until they achieve what the 1964, 65, 66 team achieved, they will always be second fiddle. Every team will be second fiddle. I loved the DeCanio, Trevor Sinclair, 99 team, right? But even for them, 
until you have the silverware to back it up, you can play as great as you want. The 86 team, right? With, with McAvenny and, and Tony Cotty. Brilliant team. Finished third in the Prem. That's great. Third place in the Prem doesn't get you fucking trophies. So when you look at that 64, 65, 66 team, I mean, fuck me. They won a World Cup in 66, right? Let's be honest here. <laughs> I love bringing that up. Yeah, you, well, you have to. Um, until they can achieve at least a, a, a modicum of that type of success, I think they will always be the second best team, right? Because in, in me, in the long-term history, and obviously I wasn't alive in 1964, but when you look at like the long-term history, I think that like 64, 65, 66 team has got to be your top, right? Then maybe you look at like the 1980 team where when we won the FA Cup um, uh, over Arsenal of all teams, uh, being the first, I think only second tier club to ever win the FA Cup, especially over a top tier team. Um, then the boys of 86 are probably your third best team of all time. Uh, then I'm going to say probably, uh, uh, Harry Redknapp's 99, 1999 team, uh, that finished fifth. Uh, but if you look at in the premier league era, right. When we're looking at from 92 to the current season, this team has the potential to be the best team in West Ham's history. So I think this team for me will beat out the 99 team because of the quality and caliber of player that we have across the the pitch, right? We're not dependent even on like the 2015, 2016 team with Payet. We're not dependent on one team, one player to be the playmaker to make everybody else look good. Everybody else is solid, right? You've got your Andy Carroll's, you've got your Mikhail Antonio's, you've got Ogbonna, Cresswell, Lanzini, um, uh, Mark Noble, Ginger Collins. Like you've got a bunch of good players in there. You've got legacy players in there, but Pyatt was like, right. We talk, you make the joke about people playing chess when everyone else is playing checkers. It's Pyatt, right? This team for me blows that team out of the water because you have a team full of Pyatt's now, not just one dude that can, you know, land a killer free kick against Manchester United. Right. I, uh, you took the words out of my mouth. It's Ooh, the nice. most talented team West Ham have ever had. And yeah. I'm, I'm going on record saying that you are right. In order to be considered the best, you have to achieve. Um, so with that said, we can start the achieving process this Saturday. Thank God we have a Saturday game. I'm so excited for those of you that don't know on the West coast, excuse me, on the left coast out here in California, our Sunday matches start at 6 a.m., which means we all have to get up at 5 a.m., which sucks on a Sunday because then, you know, by 11 a.m., you're done with the day and you want to go take a nap. <laughs> so um, with with that, um, it is Labor Day weekend. West Ham United finally get a Saturday game, and it is a London Derby. Second one in a row. This time we have to travel to West London with them posh assholes known as the Chelsea Blues. And so... Uh, we played Chelsea this weekend. Um, Chelsea's feeling it right now. They're reeling as well, so we might be catching them at a good time. Um, even if we caught them at a bad time, I still think our team can contend with them. Oh, hands um, down. That we have. Um, we could see Paqueta start. Who knows? Obviously, if Moyes is chunking that guy on for 30 minutes and he hasn't even practiced with the team, I think there's a clear plan here. We may see the, the unveiling of the back three finally as our starting formation. So this formation we could possibly see on Saturday could be the formation West Ham progressed with throughout the season. Um, with that said, before we go on our starting 11, what are your thoughts 
on this match back-to-back London derbies. Will West Ham be up for it? Because like you said, it's been seven seven days, three matches. That's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot to ask, but we have we have more depth and we've been able to rotate players in. Uh, and I'm sure to your pleasure, Moise is making changes earlier in the match. Like we're actually seeing substitutes come on with enough time to actually make an impact. It's not cameo subs coming on at the 86th minute to waste time when you're two nil down against Brighton, you fucking idiot. <laughs> uh, so I think that for me, and I'll, I'll kind of dive into my starting lineup for this. Uh, I'm actually going to go with what we were talking about earlier. I think this is the perfect time to kind of roll out that three, five, two, or, I mean, if you want to talk about like a five, three, two, however, you're really bouncing out. I'm keeping Fabianski in goal. Um, there is the potential that he puts Ariola in just to be able to give Fab a little bit of a rest, but my go-to would probably keep Fab in goal. I'm going to put Kira, Zuma and Ogbana against that back as that back three. And I'll get into why. Uh, then in the midfield, you've got Bowen, Suchek, Paqueta, Rice, Emerson, and then you've got Skamaka and Antonio up top. Now, the reason I do this is because if the back three doesn't seem to be working without having to make any substitutes, you can very easily shift to a back four where you just push uh, Kera to a true right back and Emerson just takes that left back position. So now you're sitting in that back four. You've got Bowen, uh, Suchek, Paqueta, and rice in your midfield. And then you've got Skamaka and Antonio up top. Um, or you, you know, if it's a five one and you've got Antonio out to the wings, Kamaka up top, either way, I think it works. What about for you? Unfortunately, I think he's going to go start the game with a back four. Um, I, I think that a Gerd is the player. Once that player is healthy, I think the back three will be a more stable situation. Um, and the reason I think he's a stick of the back four is because a lot of fall played well today. It's going to be hard to take him off the pitch. Yeah. Um, so my back four, uh, center backs, I really want to see Zuma and Agbana. That's what I want to see, but I think it'll be Zuma and Kara again. Um, because I think Kara played his socks off in that game. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Cresswell gets the start at left back, Sufal at right. You continue with the same double pivot and Suchek and Rice. Now pushing forward, this is where it gets interesting for me because depending on Skamaka's health, I think Skamaka could start and Antonio will be dropped to the bench. And I think that puts Fornals out on the left, Bowen to the right. And I think Paqueta may start in behind the striker. Yeah. I, I just, I, I honestly think that we may see that. So because of that, and obviously Fabianski and goal, um, I think, I think if it's a pre-league match, Fab Fab's going. Yeah. Um, Ariel is a very, very capable backup, but that's, I, I think Paquette is going to be into the starting lineup. Yeah. Um, now it's either going to be Skamaka up top or it's going to be Antonio. If it's Antonio, I really hope that he puts Benarama out on the left. Yeah. That's yeah. what I would love to see. So I, I'm not, I'm not sure. I think for nows may be the odd man out here. But do you now think about this though? If you don't play Bidrama because he did start today's match against Spurs, do you put Cornet out there on the left hand side? We, we have a wealth of riches, and this is why I think the back three allows you to get more of these attacking players on the field. And then when those attacking players have to defend, they have a smaller area to defend because you can condense. And so I, I kind of. Man, it's it's so interesting to see what Moyes is going to do. I think he wants to play a back three. 
But you're going to have to have guys that'll track back Sufal will. I'm not sure Bowen will. Bowen actually, he did better with tracking back today, but I think he has to want it and he has to sacrifice trying to score, be the goal scorer to be able to help defend because he, he doesn't quite have the pace to be able to pull from a, almost a right back position and carry the ball all the way up the pitch on his own. Right. Yes. And not, not something that you could typically see like when we had Lingard, right? We'd seen Lingard do that. He'll take it deep or Lanzini could take it deep from midfield and carry it forward. Bowen, he'll get muscled off the ball or get tackled and he never gets a foul called for him only against him because the refs hate us. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I think it's, for me, this is going to be a very difficult match. I mean, we we almost never keep Chelsea out unless it's a one nil, right? Unless it's what the 2019 match when we beat them at the bridge first time in 23 years yep. and Cresswell curls the ball in and nobody saw that shit coming. And you and I was the first time it was actually the first game we ever met. Yep. First game hook and ladder. And, and that's we, where we'll be this Sunday, dude, Saturday, Saturday. And I lost my shit. I've got it videoed. Like it was, it was still probably one of my favorite matches. I bought the keeper kit for that match solely because of David Martin. Like I have the 2019 keeper Jersey because of David Martin's performance in that match. So I totally think we can go to bri- the bridge and I think that we can, we can close out Chelsea, especially because like you said, they're reeling. It will be difficult. This is going to be like a one nil two one style match. Uh, what about you? I got it. One nil. It's going to be clearly one nil. It's going to be a hard fought game. I think what David Moyes will do is what he always does. We will get a goal possibly late in the first half, early in the second half. And then we're going to park the bus and we're just going to make Chelsea work. Um, which is why I think he's going to go with the back four, yeah. you know, cause I think the way the game's going to play, I think West Ham United um, need to get the three points at the bridge. And I think they will. And um, I very encouraged by the performance today against Tottenham. So I do believe we're going to get away points. Everybody's going to go, God, West Ham have won two games, both on the road, and they can't win at home. And I think that's <laughs> will be the next thing that we have to talk about, like what's wrong with our home form. What the reality is, we're just figuring shit out right now. So I, I see West Ham getting a 1-0 a win. My goal scorer in that game, I think it's – I think Suchek's rolling right now, and I think he gets another one. And I think this time it's off a corner set piece, classic West Ham United. Suchek gets his head to the ball. Um, my backup goal scorer, in case it's not Suchek, is Ogbonna. Nice. That's, you know, I, that's who I'd love to see get a goal because I think he's one of the best setters of the ball we have. Who's your goal scorer? Uh, I was actually also going to go Ogbonna because I think we get a goal off of a, a set piece or a corner kick. Uh, Paqueta is my other one. He looked dangerous as fuck today. And I think just give him a little bit more time to acclimate with this squad especially if you've got either Antonio or Skamaka or both of them playing off the top and they're both, they both have great holdup play. Skamaka shows that he's very good at collecting the ball and either like chesting it to somebody or heading it to somebody. I could totally see him heading it into the path of a charging Paqueta who just tiki takas around somebody and buries the ball in the net. And I think that'll do wonder for his confidence and help ingratiate him to the rest of the players. Who's your man of the match? Well, I mean, I think if Paqueta scores, it's almost got to be him. I think that he just completely like maestro pulls the strings uh, in, in that midfield. I, I I could absolutely see him see him doing that. If it's not him, I'm going to play it safe and go Declan Rice because I think Declan Rice <laughs> loves to go to the bridge and just fucking destroy. Like he plays the number six role because I almost feel like he has something to prove to be like, oh, you let me go. I'm going to fucking burn you to the ground. I that that's a great shout, but it's going to be Zoom. 
Zuma! <laughs> Returning to the bridge, Kurt Zuma's gonna be man of the match. He's gonna do that weird-ass face that he does. He's gonna sit there and look like a crazy psychopath. The man that kicked the kitten is going to be man of the match. And the reason why is I think every time you your cl- a club lets you go and you return to that club with a chance to put it on them, you're going to remind them what they missed out on. Yeah. And so I, I really like what Kurt Zuma is going to do in this game. I think he will be clearing balls off the line. He's going to be getting in guys' faces. Um, I hope that Thomas Tuchel tries to shake his hand and he doesn't want to shake it. Yeah. You know, that's just kind of where I'm at on that. So that brings us to our favorite part of the show. Our favorite part of the show is our yellow and red cards. Liam, hit me with your yellow. I'm going to give it to the fans, man. We've been kind of shitty to Moyes and... I mean, I get it having three, three games uh, to start out the season, all with losses. Like I understand where ruffles, you know, feathers get ruffled and we start to get a little bit antsy in the seat, but I think we become too critical, especially for somebody who for me has done more than enough to gain my trust. I think he's shown us time and time again, that he has a game plan that there, there is a reason to, there's a rhyme behind the reason and we just have to be patient. I mean, now you don't hear any of that scuttle because we've got a win over Villa away. And then we just drew it home to Spurs with, you know, I think judging on how we do against Chelsea, that'll, that'll speak volumes as well. And Moyes brought it up. I think, as you said in the presser, like he's quick to let people know, Hey, we also have wins over V Borg home and away a three, one and a three nil. Like that's a six, one aggregate. How can you fucking forget that? Like, we are, we were already the favorites to win Europa League last year, and we're the favorites to win again for Europa Conference. Everybody knows we're a dangerous team. So I, I think we just have to be a little bit more patient. That's why it's only a yellow card. I'm giving us a caution. Let Moyes do what Moyes is going to do. Because I guarantee you, when you saw Paqueta standing on the fucking roof of the London Stadium... <laughs> You all, you all peed a little in your pants. That's a statement. That was yeah. a statement video. There's a reason they put him on the top. Yeah. Uh, my, my yellow card is going to go to all the bullshit that's been talked about Kara from our fans because, yes, he conceded a penalty. He had an own goal today. The guy ran his socks off today and played brilliantly. The best counterattacking team in the Prem is Tottenham. Son is one of the fastest players in the Prem. Karaz not fast. He had to do everything in his power to get back. He slid in, tried to make a stop. And you said something in our pre-production meeting that I think at least he didn't let San score the goddamn goal. Yeah. <laughs> at least he, he we at least we took that away from San. And San, you know, San's already feeling it right now because Richarlson's probably going to take his spot. But you're looking at this situation, and it's just it's frustrating because you can't let two bad moments of a game define what a player has already been doing. He's been very good for us. He's going to continue to be very good for us. I got news for you. We don't have to play son every week. So because of that, Karab will be able to not make that type of mistake. But when you have a player running down the throat, would you rather him just let son tap it in? And then we're all beating him up because you didn't even stick a foot out. Well, he stuck a foot out. Yeah. It didn't yeah. go his way. Yeah. So now you know why players are hesitant to stick a foot out because you don't want to tap it into your own net. But that's who my yellow card goes to. Uh, do you want me to start on the red card? Do it. I'm surprised. Right. I'm, I'm, this is going to be pleasantly so surprised. I, I purposely did not tell you my red card. 
my red card goes to fucking Hoidberg for Tottenham. <laughs> and I'm not going to say your fucking name right. You're a ho-jerk. That's what you are. Yep. Ho-jerk gets my red card for fucking around with your shoe, acting like you're hurt, being a bitch on the pitch, and not walking out. That rhymes, by the way. Let's make a Tottenham shirt that says, bitches on pitches. Yeah. But I'm just telling you, it's so frustrating to sit there and watch teams do dumb shit like that because that that's cheating. There's no way around it. If I'm ever blessed with a son, I'm not going to let him cheat you know, I'm not going to teach him how to do shit because when you allow yourself to do that, you should be goddamn ashamed of yourself and thank God karma, bitch. Cause immediately, you know what happened? We get the ball back. Antonio passes in Suchek slams it home. One, one in your face, Hoidberg. And then what's funny after that, he seemed fine. Stop being a bitch. You are clearly the problem with football and Hoidberg should be fined, banned, given a penalty. Cause that type of shit has to go out of the game. Yeah. Let me tell you the difference between playing for West Ham United and Tottenham. When you play for Tottenham, you act like a bitch. You act like your foot hurts. You sit there and act like you're hurt. Lay down like you're such a little baby. I got news for you. You want to get fucked in the ass? They have an app called Grinder. Get on it. <laughs> you know what? When you play for West Ham United, you jog off the pitch and sprint like Pablo Fornals because you're trying to win a goddamn game. Fucking tantrum from Tex. There you go. What do we call it? Tex tantrum. Fuck Te- yeah. Tex tantrum. Fucking Fuck Tex tantrum. Hoidberg. Fuck that Dude, guy. I'm so glad you didn't reveal that. I feel like our red cards we should always keep fucking <laughs> as a surprise. Because that, I mean, for me, mine is significantly less aggressive than that one. Uh, my red card, uh, I'm going to issue it with the intent it's given. I'm going to give a red card to Dawson. But I'm going to cut it into the shape of the heart. Because I fucking love Dawson. Like I said earlier in the, in the, in the show, man, like he, he, to me, like he's that player that it's amazing. The impact he's made on our fan base, on the club, the impact he's made with the other players in the short time that he's been here. Like you would have thought this was a 10 year veteran for the club. And if he is going to go, I'm going to be sad to see him go. I mean, if it's not this window and he ends up going in January because there's just, we can't get something over the line right now. uh, You know, I'll be glad just to even have him for the next couple months. Uh, but I got to give the red card, man, because like I was saying earlier, like this is your chance to finish out with a club that obviously means something to you and you're going to achieve shit like this is the time you can actually achieve some good shit with a club that you were never going to be able to do with what Watford wasn't he at Watford before he came to us like. Does it matter where he was Bro, playing like, McDonald's? The, yeah, like yeah, right. You're, playing for Watford's like working at McDonald's. You're playing you're playing for a farm team. You're basically you're you're basically playing for a middle school modified soccer team. Like this this is your chance to to walk off the pitch with your head held high, holding the trophy. Like I just I can't see giving that up, but you know, that's I, I give him a red card because I'm gonna send him on his way with love. I'm gonna wish him the best, except for when he plays against us. Man, that uh, it's gonna be sad if that player goes. You yeah. you are correct. Well, that brings us to the end of Bearded Bastards episode five, right here on the American Hammers Radio, part of the American Hammers Network. Thank you to Tim and Lee for providing us this opportunity to do this show. As always, we agree. Uh, we have twenty three listeners now. It's so, um, it's so impressive. So I mean, I I I feel like a celebrity. Um, <laughs> so I want to say thank you so much uh, for joining us on the show again. If you ever want to get involved in the show, want to ask us questions in hell, if you think you can do it better than us, we'd love to get you on the show. Um, you can always uh, reach us on Twitter at at A-H-R-W-H-U is our Twitter handle. And uh, also, if you want to talk to myself or Liam, um, you can reach out to 
at Fresno Irons on across all social medias, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are active on all. Uh want to say thank you for listening. Um, Liam, if you find yourself here in Fresno on Saturday at 7 a.m. and you look at your watch, you go, holy shit, West Ham's playing. Come on down to the Chelsea bar because we're going to go troll those motherfuckers. Fuck yeah. And we're going to try to go get um, a, a big victory away in West London um, where, you know, they have to buy their history when we can bring our own. So uh, hope to see you there. And remember, if you do show up and watch with the Fresno Irons, your first beer on us. Um, thank you so much for listening. For Liam, this is Tex. And as always, come, come on, on, you irons. irons.